Hey everyone, this is Arnold Bian with Home Welcome, Season 3, Episode 2. We're sitting down today with Moomin Sai, who is the co-owner and operator of Kopitiam, a Malaysian restaurant here in New York City. I actually featured Ko, who is the other half and chef of Kopitiam in Season 2. And I met Moonland through the Prefix for Youth dinner that we put together at Madame Bo Barbecue, which was a benefit dinner, more or less, for Apex for Youth. And even from our first encounter, I could feel Moonland's warmth and hospitality. And as I was gearing up to put this new season together, I knew I wanted her on the show. Having said that, since I had Ko already on the on this podcast, I want to ask a few questions in regards to Moonland's side of the story um, about... Her take on the unique staffing of high school students at Kobe Team and how she tackles the idea of gentrification being a new restaurant that lies on the border of rapidly developing neighborhoods in Chinatown on the east side. The story, like many of the guests we had on the show, starts with a family restaurant business. Um, early on, Moon Lin, who grew up in San Diego, started working for her dad. So, oh man, I started working for him when I was like, probably five or six, he would bust out all his invoices, right? So many different invoices, all different colors, different shapes and sizes. And he's like putting on the table, okay, organize it by color. Five, six. So I was like, that's all I can do is organize yeah. it by color, by shape. And that was first step. And then as I got older, it was like organize it by color, date, by restaurant. And then wow. he started off with a handful of restaurants. By the time I hit high school, he had, I think it was 13 restaurants. So I was doing the filing for all of that. I would work in the corporate office. I loved art, so I was kind of in charge of rebranding, sending out emails and all that fun stuff. That was before email was really big, so it was all, a lot of like handwriting letters yeah. um, to vendors and whatnot. And then as I went into college, or the end of high school, is when I started working at the actual restaurant. Mm. And so I started off, you know, dishwashing, uh, utensil polishing, then got into serving, cashiering, registering, all that. So, you know, you're moving up the ranks and you have to do a little bit of everything. Well, did you have a favorite uh, role throughout everything that you've done, especially at I the restaurant? I really enjoyed hosting yeah. and counting inventory. Yeah? Yes. As I grew older, I was like, oh, you know, I should, I would like to own a market one day. I find a lot of joy in Yeah ordering inventory and making sure everything is stocked up. What did you end up studying in college though? What did you end up pursuing? So I ended up getting, um, it was business communications, yeah. but that wasn't what I wanted to go in for. So my father is a very interesting guy. We're estranged now, so we don't really have that communication uh -huh, uh -huh. anymore. I was going in initially for education Wow, okay. Uh, I realized in high school, I really enjoyed tutoring the younger mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed talking to them. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you're tutoring a kid in a, something for the first time and they get it, it was like the most fulfilling. It's very fulfilling. It is. And you're just like, yeah. wow. And I think I get it from my mom. Like, she's very nurturing. Nurturing, she's very yeah. soft. She's very Maternal, kind. huh? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So I thought I was going to go into that. But my father... Um, so for him, it's like a, I build this business up for the past how many decades? You know, are you just gonna let it die? Are you gonna let it go? Yeah. And he had all these health issues. So he would tell me, I remember being in my room and he would just come in and be like, hey, you know, I'm diabetic. 
and I had a heart attack. Um, the doctors told me I was I'm dying. Uh, okay. And this is, it started when I was maybe 12 or 13. You're kidding. So back then, you're not, you don't understand manipulation, and yeah. you really take everything to heart. So this whole time, I thought, oh my God, my dad's dying. Like, yeah, yeah, I do need to take this over, even though I want to get into something else. else yeah. Um, and that was even way before college. And then in college, it just continued on. I'm like, oh wow, okay, I don't think I should be doing what I wanted to do. Wow. Um, because he did work so hard for this. And then at the same time, he was like, I'm not going to support you in college if you want to go in for your education degree. Wow. You know, why would you go into that? My servers make the same amount. And I was like, well, well I'm glad they do, but <laughs> I want to do this, you know? Um, so he said, well, no, I'm not going to pay for your tuition if you want to go into that. The only way I'm going to pay for your tuition is if you go into business. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. So he didn't really give you a choice. There was no choice. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going into that. And it's so funny because now I'm doing a lot of the financial side, but numbers to me just, it was never like a natural thing. Right. Um, so in college, funny enough, that's also where I started cooking for myself and for huh. my roommates. So the trade off was I started discovering um, a love for food and yeah. for the culinary aspect of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, not in like, it was more so. Hey, let's go buy a bunch of steaks, or let's go. Let's just buy cook something in, in the dorm. Um, not or so what? much a dorm. Our dorm, it was like a jail cell. It was <laughs> just literally big enough for two twin-sized mattresses, and yeah. it was so awkward because I never had to share a room with someone I didn't know. Yeah. And my roommate was very interesting, <laughs> so it was actually out of the first year where I lived with four girls. Yeah, and then we all had our boyfriends and SDSU was such a party school that mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, let's go get some chicken wings or blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. I'm like, okay, I only have X amount of money to use. What is the most efficient way? And it was like through cooking. The unhealthy and manipulative relationship that Moonlin had with her dad made her want to isolate herself from the restaurant industry. And in her time away at college, a seed was planted where she fell in love with food and appreciated the idea of cooking. Um, her next chapter begins in Orange County, and initially, for the longest time, Bunda thought she'd be in the craft beer industry. After college, I moved to Orange County, and I was there living with four guys. Ah. I was there, and I think the the Asian culture, it's based around food a lot you especially know? In, in OC and Cali it's yes. very food dri food driven it was and these guys were so sweet they were like my brothers and they love to cook as well mm. so it was fun for us all to you know go to a or not restaurant a market okay. to buy yeah. fun ingredients and then getting together and doing that sounds amazing fun. it was so much fun it was it was a really big frat house, but I really much enjoyed <laughs> you it. Got it. <laughs> it was going from living with four women, which yeah. I would never do again. Living with four, four guys. Four yeah. guys. I mean, it wasn't the cleanest home, but yeah. it was just so much fun. And there was Good always energy. constantly people going through. Yeah. Exactly. So then they decided, two of them decided they wanted to open a craft beer bar. Oh. And I grew up in San Diego, and that was like the mecca of craft beer. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, getting yeah. into it as well. And yeah. we were all learning together. Wow. We would take trips to... San Diego, we take trips up to LA. There wasn't that many beer distilleries up, or breweries up in LA yet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they were looking at spaces in Orange County initially, but it's so difficult and so expensive. Sure. So the two of them were actually from the Bay Area, San Jose. 
And so they're like, maybe we should go check out San Jose. So they did that. Okay. And like, hey, none of us has had restaurant experience. Do you think that would be something you might be interested in doing? Well, hell yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like working with my buddies and doing drinks, like doing beer. It was so much fun. So we all, I remember his, I think it was a Toyota Tacoma. We just loaded it up with a bunch of rare beers from San Diego. Um, So it was me, the two guys, and then our other roommate. We all just drove up to San Jose. Wow. And moved there. Wow. And worked on this project. Whoa. So (laughs) I thought my path was going to go into craft beer. At the time, yeah. Yeah, so I got really passionate about it. I was studying for my Cicerone. I got the first level done. I was going into the second level. Wow. And it was such a fun time. And then I think it was about almost two years in, I got a call from my mom, who was in L.A. at the time. And she's like, hey, a friend I met in L.A., um, her dog, no, no. Initially, it was my friend in L.A. wants to open a restaurant. And she was wondering... Initially, she called asking for your brother. I'm like, my brother's not in this hospitality. He's an artist. Like, he's a oh, graphic really? designer. Yeah. But then I told him, or I told her that, um, but my daughter's working in, like, the restaurant industry up in the Bay Area. And then the, the lady was like, okay, can I talk to her? And so at that time, I didn't think much about it. I thought it was, like, someone of my mom's age who probably didn't speak the best English just trying to ask questions on how to open a restaurant. And then, so I called her, oh no, I texted her, and these texts were like very <laughs> eloquent, and I was like, wow, this is kind of <laughs> cool. But it turns out that was actually Vivian. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we were talking, uh, and then I went down to LA, yeah. met up with her, and she told me the story, and it wasn't called Pine and Crane at the time, it was under a different name. Um, she just signed the lease, and they were going through construction. And so she was like, you know, is this a project that you think you might be interested in? And I was like, that's really cool. A, it gets to, I get to work on a project that demonstrates, you know, my personal heritage. She was half Hakka, half Taiwanese. I was the same. And also her family owned a farm in Bakersfield. So all the produce was going to be coming from the business or from the the farm. Yeah. And I love farms because when I moved up to San Francisco, every weekend I would go up to San Francisco go to the farmer's markets up there and I was like, man, I wish there was a way I can bring this into the beer shop, but sausages and, you know, beer, it's not very (laughs) much a, let me go get the fresh produce for you. So then we decided to move forward with the project. Yeah, that's checked all the boxes for you. It did. It was amazing. Yeah. I didn't necessarily want to move down to LA. Mm. I never had the best like experiences Mm -hmm. in LA, Mm -hmm. but I moved down and so we were starting from nothing. The space just got demolished. We were going through um, construction. It was a lot of DIY through both of us. Then we were hiring back of house, front of house. We hired, Alan was the first hire. Mm. So he became, I don't want to say the executive chef because Vivian was in charge of doing all the cooking, but he was definitely like top of the line there. And then we got the front of house. And that's how... That's crazy. I mean, your role was a general manager at that restaurant, right? Or so just I signed on being yeah. a, a co-operator. There wasn't really a title for yeah. it. So basically just a doing bit, a little bit of everything. Like yeah. cook, learning how to cook, learning 
going through construction, you know, picking out the fabric for our booth. So it sounds like a fun project, though. I love that. I learned that as more I take on more and more projects, I really enjoy that first opening when you see the shell and then you have to go into the creative aspect of how does this look? Where are we going with this? Pine and Crane, as a quick recap, is a fast, casual, full-service Taiwanese restaurant in the Silver Lake neighborhood in Los Angeles. Her hands-on experience there led Moonlin wanting to open her own restaurant in L.A. However, a fateful trip to New York City and also to Malaysia would lead her to an opportunity to team up with Kyo in reopening Copa Team at a much bigger space than its initial location. And here we talk about the new location on East Broadway, where it is currently, and how Moonlin tackles staffing and the uh, idea of gentrification in a thoughtful and tasteful way that I think makes sense a lot for the community and for the neighborhood. Being where we are, we are in this very special little strip where the block perpendicular to us on our left is Chinatown. The block perpendicular to us on our right is Lower East Side. You know, you get the people and the grandmas who've been living in Chinatown, you know, for decades and generations. They have their grandchildren growing up there too. And then you have like this funkiness of, you know, people our age who are in the arts also moving into that area because it, at some point in time, it was a little more affordable and just that colorfulness of that whole area. So we ended up being this, it almost like funneled into the street on East Broadway. Yeah. So it's been really fun seeing, you know, people who are from Malaysia coming in and really being so excited about the food and having it feel like home. Yeah. We designed it intentionally to reflect. So this is where like Chin Tsai it's very, not haphazard, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, the focus is on the food, everything else. It's you come in here, everyone's welcome. You do what you want as long as you're appreciative of the food. It's a communal space, like you said, a communal space where you can just feel happy and content being there. You can be someone in your 70s who might not speak English and still come in there feeling very at home. Yeah. From like a lot of them actually did move from Malaysia. Or you can be like, you know, a foodie in the area trying to like Kopitiam is your destination space to come in. So it's been a fun way of melding like cultures yeah. together. Since reopening, Koba Team has won and been recognized for a ton of awards. To name a few, uh, it was on the Hot 10 list by Bon Appetit, 16 Best New Restaurant list by Eater. It was a James Beer Foundation Award semifinalist. Um, it was on the 10 Best New Restaurants list by Pete Wells over at New York Times. Hannah Goldfield from The New Yorker named Koba Team one of her favorite restaurants of 2018. Um, However, in the beginning, it, w- it wasn't easy. You know, Finding the right staff proved to be very difficult given the location. And it wasn't until Moonlin made her first high school student hire that she decided to reconsider how to put together her team at Cobatium. Soon enough, high school students were, with no previous experience, were manning the front. And somehow, Moonlin found herself with a, a, you know, at a full circle moment in education by mentoring, supporting, and guiding these high school students at her restaurant. Here's Moonlin on how she had to forego her previous projects and experiences to change kind of the bias on how she put her team together. Through all the other projects, I've 
only worked with a team, an experienced team in, you know, early 20s to 30s, you know, people who this might not be their main job. It's their side job. A lot of them, especially at Pine and Crane, most of them were creative. So they were actors, they were mm, mm. Uh, musicians looking for a side job to kind of give them that money to be able to pursue that gentrification it's gonna happen yeah and so for us it's how do we roll with that but at the same time being able to still give back to this community yeah and so our our take on it was okay so we're in this little margin what we can do is a provide a space where it's still a very familiar feeling for those living in the area, but just because I personally love aesthetics and I love design, interior design, how do we do that in a very casual way where people who are coming in, they're like, oh, this is like a really fun place, you know, the Instagrammers or whatnot are still like happy. And then for the others, you know, the grandmas living in the area, they still can come in feeling very comfortable and not... It's not somewhere where they might feel shy about mm. approaching or going into. Mm. And then also our team is, most of them are at least bilingual in Chinese. So it's also very like comforting knowing you can go there, order your banmi in Mandarin and Cantonese. That's awesome. Yeah. So then in terms of staffing, <laughs> we had no one. We didn't know Kopitiam was going to be a restaurant. It was supposed to be a coffee shop. So it was supposed to be 80% drinks and 20% food. Really? And that's why our kitchen is so small. We have a six-top burner, <laughs> and that's it. Our kitchen is no more than maybe <gasps> 200 square feet. Yeah, not, no, it's not even tiny. Yeah. Initially, when we built out, I had a beautiful office in there. Like, great, I'm going to sit in here. I'm going to do all my paperwork. And <laughs> I had, a, like, a long L-shaped desk, and I had everything, like, Yeah, mapped beautiful. out, yeah. I never got to use the office. So do you guys have an office now? You still have an office no, space? No. no, we have like what when you're at the restaurant, what you see, that's that's all. it. <laughs> we don't have a basement. We don't have storage. We didn't plan for any of that. That's crazy. Yeah. So then it flipped reverse to where now it's 80 percent food, 20 percent drinks, tiny kitchen. We have four people max working in there. Yeah, because I, I, over four, I'm sure it's just super tight. Like you can't even get around. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a tight you space. You have to learn how to maneuver. And I think that's the biggest challenge of being in New York versus being in San Diego or LA where space is plentiful. Yes. You know, all you have is space. All you have is space. Too much space. Exactly. So I do appreciate this, uh, <laughs> this experience. It's been really fun. So initially when we opened, Kia was going to be the only person in the kitchen. Mm. And if it, we were like, okay, well, if it gets busy, I'll jump in and I'll help milk, make Kaya toast or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were hitting down to the point where we were about to open in a week. No one was responding to any of my Craigslist ads or my Indeed post wow. for hiring. The only people that were coming in to check in to see what we're doing and were excited about it were high school kids, especially high school seniors that were about to graduate. They're like, oh, are you guys hiring for the summer? I'm like, no, we're looking. Well, do you have experience? They're like, no. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, well, if they just graduated high school, they're going to be going to college in like two months. You yeah, know? right. But, you know, you just got to roll with it. So you, you did it. So I ended up hiring six high school newly graduates 
that I knew were all leaving in three months. But I just had to do it because there's no other way. Got it. Or else it would just be me and Yin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to force her and Roper into working with me. Yeah. So that first came in and almost immediately I was blown away about how hard these kids were working yeah. and how responsible they were. Yeah. You know, I'm so used to working in places where the work is an afterthought, where it's like, oh, I have another gig, so I can't make it today. Where these kids were, hey, I know I'm only worked, I'm only on the schedule for like four days. Can I work more? Can I stay longer? What can I do? Wow. And they're not afraid of hard work. Wow. You know, most of them, this was their first job, or they might have helped, you know, their family, kind of like us, how we grew up with our family's business. And they were just so open in doing everything. Wow. And it was really inspiring for me where I'm like, oh, wow, I judged. That's so refreshing. It was. I was like, oh, wow, okay, I I did not see that coming. And I'm so humbled and grateful that I met these kids. Yeah. So from there, they were leaving, but they were like, hey, well, we have friends, oh. you know, um, still in high school. So we have three high schools represented right now. We have Baruch High School, Stuyvesant. Wow. Uh, Roosevelt High School. Yeah. I think that's the one. And it's really cute because they're... they're all just referring. On, they're referring more friends. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know how we operate here. And we know, you know what the style is. And it's so cute because a lot of them are very protective of Kopitam now. Where they're like, well... I have this friend, or I know this person. Um, <laughs> it's really cute because in a way they're like, uh, I don't want to be a bad friend, but I also am protective of space and I know what mm. type of personality Candidate you're for. looking for maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So that's been really sweet. And that's how our hires have been. I mean, it looks like it's been going well. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. I'm very, very <laughs> proud of them. And because these kids are still in high school, a lot of them I know are going to be graduating come June. So I'm going to have no one at the store. Yeah. You know, it'd be fun to, it'd be nice if there could be someone helping me out. For sure. So management, but yeah. it's hard because no one can. Yeah. So when we first started hiring, there was a guy named Kai. He came in and I asked him why. And he was like, um, I really want to learn how to bake. And I, one day I want to go into, and I want to open my own bakery. I'm like, amazing. So <laughs> then Kyo and I, we gave him a little section in our deli case at the front of the restaurant. And I was like, how about this? We want to help you grow. So you can come up with a dessert on your own, but it has to tie in with the Southeast Asian Obviously the restaurant flavors, concept, right? yeah. But anything you sell in that case for however long, you get to keep 100% of that to go towards culinary school. Because culinary school is really, really, really expensive. So we're so proud of him. He just started culinary school about two months ago at ICE. Yeah, ICE. the one in the city. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. And he raised, I think it was close to $3,500. That's amazing. Yeah, it's still going. And I'm so proud of him. And so he's fantastic. But then, because he started culinary school, he wasn't able to work anymore at Kobe <laughs> yeah. But then he reached out to me one day. Yeah. And he was like, hey, you know, my school load isn't as hard as I thought it would be. Is it okay if I come back to work? Oh, wow. But then his hours were a little off. off yeah. And I was like, you know what? Instead of coming back just to work, you know, doing the day-to-day, -day, if your goal is one day to own your own business, then 
I would like to teach you how it is to run a business. Wow. So now I teach him, you know, um, like payroll management styles. Yeah. This is the tutoring that you wanted to do early on. So basically it came full circle. Like I didn't get to pursue the teaching degree or the uh, possibly being uh, like a high school counselor, but but you're making an impact on so many kids' lives. Exactly. You so know, in a very creative, and creative it's very way. Fulfilling. Yeah. So now he's working at Kopitam two days a week and learning these Such steps. A good and story. I'm so proud of him. He's he's amazing. He's just yeah. very intuitive, very self-starting, and yeah. very, very, very responsible. All the kids are very responsible. Yeah. As with all episodes, given Moonland's experience and success of opening Kopitam and even previously managing Pine and Crane in LA, I asked Moonlin for her honest advice and thoughtful insights for anyone looking to navigate this path of owning and operating a restaurant. I think the biggest thing is you have to know what it is and why you want to do this. I know for a lot of people, owning a restaurant is a very romantic idea. Yes. You know, um, especially nowadays, food is so popular and it's like this beautiful thing that everyone has this idea that it's just like perfect and it's so cool but I don't think anyone actually sees behind the scenes and you know in the kitchen it's tough like so much respect for everyone in the kitchen and in the front I think there's this show of oh you're just there talking to people right you're getting to know these people having a great time but what you don't see is oh so what happens when the Wi-Fi drops? What happens when this... Oh, my God. Happens? Like, are you ready for that? And also, what is your personal ethos? Like, why do you want to do it? Do you just want to have a restaurant and you're going to continue franchising or doing whatnot? Or do you have something else that you are pursuing for? So for me personally, yeah, I, I mean, for now, I don't see myself ever owning a franchise of restaurants. That's not my personal style. I love building a place where the story is through food but we're cultivating that environment and that atmosphere and also mentoring is a very important factor for me so it wasn't until Kopi Town we're like okay I feel like this is my path Mm. Um, and not even just a restaurant but also showcasing the Malaysian culture whether or not that's through food through the books we have there so I think it's just very important and also making sure you're ready Um, you know you have to get down to nitty gritty, like financial wise, make sure you're lawyered up and everything. Cause there's all these like very serious logistical things that mm. people tend to forget about. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, it's gonna happen. It'll be fine. You know, I went through that a lot where I'm like very trusting and I was like, oh, I just shot myself in the foot. I probably should have done things a little more, not serious, but a little more safe. Yeah. But it's a beautiful industry. And yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think even though I never wanted to be a part of it, you're also able to make your own narrative and the way you want everything to come out and be. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Of course, thank yeah. you for having me. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Of course. I hope you enjoyed this episode of With Home Welcome. Um, I follow Moonlin on Instagram and most recently saw that she had attended a high school basketball game for one of her staff members. And she and Co continue to impress me in how they run and manage their restaurant. They're truly one of the most invested and hands-on operators I've come across in the city. 
and they truly do deserve all the recognition and accolades that are coming their way. Thank you, Moonlin, for agreeing to be on the show, spending time with me in the studio. It's it's very much appreciated. I'm wishing you and Kyo and the entire Cobra TM team my very best and an even greater year in 2020. As for next week, tune in next week at Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another episode of With Home Welcome, available on withhomewelcome.com or everywhere else where you get your pods. See you later.